0: This is the CPM Podcast. I'm Jay Zagami. In the past few weeks, something shocking was uncovered in the media, revealing the tremendous power of digital marketing. On November 8, 2016, it changed the course of history.
1: Right now, a historic moment. Uh, we can now project the winner of the presidential race, CNN Projects. Donald Trump wins the presidency, the business tycoon and TV personality capping his improbable political journey with an astounding upset victory. Donald J. Trump will become the 45th president of the United States, defeating Hillary Clinton in a campaign unlike anything we've seen in our lifetime. Donald Trump wins the presidency of the United States. He is now going to be called president-elect.
0: Cambridge Analytica used misappropriated Facebook data from over 50 million users. For years, they had been targeting, segmenting, and swaying voters from all over the world.
2: When Cambridge Analytica, my firm, joined the trump campaign there were only 30 full-time employees on the campaign which is in stark contrast to the clinton campaign which had somewhere close to 800 people working on it
0: this is alexander nix he's the ceo of cambridge analytica little side note the board suspended him on march 20th amid this scandal
2: clearly um we were an attractive proposition. We'd just spent 14 months working on the Ben Carson and Ted Cruz campaign and had collected a huge amount of voter data and research and had built an entire technological infrastructure which we were able to hand over to the Trump team.
0: What fascinates me about the story is how they were able to put digital advertising on steroids using misappropriated data of 50 million users and psychographics, which is essentially behavioral modeling.
2: I've said it before and I'll say it again, I'm very much of the belief that blanket advertising is dead. The idea that millions of people are going to receive one piece of communication is something that our children will never understand. Communication is getting ever more individualized. We are moving to an age where we are going to have a personal relationship with brands. So whether they communicate with you through mail, email, text, They're going to be writing to you as individuals, such that a husband and a wife in the same household can receive different communications, even if they're from the same company and on the same product. Essentially,
3: the pitch was that we were going to combine micro targeting, which had existed in politics, which was, you know, in part. my background, but bring, bring on boards, um, a new, a new construct, new constructs from psychology so that we wouldn't just be targeting you as a voter. We'd be targeting you as a personality.
0: This Christopher Wiley, he was the whistleblower on this case, but he was also the data scientist who set up Cambridge Analytica.
3: Yeah. So we would know, we would know what kinds of messaging you would be susceptible to, including the framing of it, the topics, the contents, the tone, whether it's scary or not, that kind of thing. So what you would be susceptible to and, and where you're going to consume that. And then how many times do we need to touch you with that in order to change how you, how you think about something?
0: Segmenting and targeting audiences isn't anything new. Marketing agencies have been doing this for decades. What makes us different is how they use psychology, namely what's known as the big five personality test to model users and with user data from Facebook, know with great precision, how you were going to vote, the chances you could be swayed and behaviorally, what message would resonate with you to push you towards a Trump vote.
3: Conscientious people are diligent, industrious and orderly.
0: This is Jordan Peterson. He's a Canadian clinical psychologist and professor of psychology at the University of Toronto.
3: Their orderliness tilts them towards political conservatism, by the way, because it turns out that your inbuilt temperament, your inbuilt personality, which constitutes a set of filters through which you view the world, also alters the manner in which you process information and influences the way that you vote. And so you might say, and I I do believe that this is true, we've been doing a lot of research on this as of late, the more accurate a measure you take of someone's political beliefs, the more you find that personality is what's predicting them.
2: An understanding of personality is key because it is personality that informs decision-making and clearly your decisions uh, will drive the way that you vote or which products and services that you purchase. So at Cambridge, we've rolled out a very long-form quantitative instrument to probe the underlying traits that make up your personality. We use the cutting edge in experimental psychology. This is the OCEAN five-factor personality model. OCEAN being an acronym for O, openness, how open you are to new experiences. Conscientiousness, how much you care about order and habits and planning in your life. Extroversion, how socially minded you are. Agreeableness, whether you tend to put uh, your needs ahead of society and community, or vice versa. And finally, neuroticism, a measurement of how much you tend to worry. I want to
0: take a step back here and explain how Cambridge Analytica was able to model Facebook users with this personality test. In 2014, Cambridge Analytica hired Dr. Alexander Kogan. He's a lecturer and researcher at Cambridge University in the psychology department, and he's got a background in cognitive and behavioral neuroscience. Kogan built a Facebook app for CA that paid Facebook users to take a survey which allowed Cambridge Analytica to profile their personality using the Big Five test.
1: The way it works is users go and authorize each app to access certain data. So things are very public about you, such as your name, age, and gender, and then certain things that maybe just your friends can see, such as your page likes, your wall posts, and your pictures. And so our app was kind of on the lighter side in terms of the things we collect, which we just wanted the public information. And the other thing that at that time the app allowed us to do is to collect similar data about your friends whose privacy settings permitted this. And so we would also get Name, age, gender, location of your friends. I got really interested in trying to understand how we could model human behavior through social media because there's residue of who we are and everything we do. And here we had lots of little behaviors that we could use to try to understand a little bit more about who you are, a bit more nuanced. So, the focus uh, of the project was on Americans, and the idea was to collect data and to make predictions or best guesses, really, about how they would answer certain surveys and, in particular, personality surveys. For the app, we took the terms of service that they wrote, and to make sure it was all commercial in nature, we changed the name, the logo, things like that, and then we recruited. I think around 200,000 people through a survey company called Qualtrics. Each person was paid to do the survey and to authorize that, and each person was presented with specific data we were going to try to collect and also terms of service that SEL had drafted for us that detailed exactly the commercial terms of the project.
0: When he mentions SEL, that's a shell corporation, Cambridge Analytica set up to do business with Dr. Alexander Kogan. Dr. Kogan paid 200,000 Facebook users to take this personality test, which allowed them to accurately predict other users' personality traits by the information shared on Facebook, including what items were liked. Next, because they also had access to all of your friends' data, which took them from 200,000 Americans to 50 million Americans, they had their demographic or factual data, behavioral data, what you like, and attitudinal data, which explains your worldview.
2: But today we can use big data to understand exactly what messages each specific group within a target audience need to hear way before the creative process is even started.
3: In addition to having, you know, data scientists and psychologists and strategists, they also have an entire team of, you know, creatives, designers, videographers, photographers. They then create that content. That gets then sent to a targeting team, which then, you know, injects it into the internet. Websites will be created, blogs will be created, whatever it is that we think this target profile will be receptive to, we will create content on the internet for them to find.
0: So CA has developed target personas and created content in the form of Facebook posts, microsites, blog articles, etc. to attract and engage viewers who they believe to be swing voters. Now that they're putting out all this content, they begin to monitor the analytical data and poll users to get geo-targeted data on where and when to deploy resources.
2: What sort of things did we provide to the campaign? Well, these weekly polls provided a very powerful insight into tracking the electorate. This was particularly relevant when uh, incidents took place that needed uh, responding to. A particularly good example might be the Hot Mike incident, where Trump's uh, locker room banter was broadcast nationally. What we were able to tell the campaign is that whilst in some States, his ratings plummeted, in others, they actually increased. This allowed the campaign to allocate resources in a very targeted way. Another type of dashboard is the one over here, which shows heat maps of persuadable voters. That is, voters who still hadn't made up their decision who they were going to vote for and were likely targets for us. A good example of this would be Wisconsin. Wisconsin is a state that is traditionally a very safe Democrat seat. So much so that the Clinton campaign never visited Wisconsin once in the entire election. But we were able to use data to identify that there was very large quantities of persuadable voters there that could be influenced to vote for the Trump campaign. And so much so, the Trump campaign had five rallies there. That five, those five rallies probably gave Trump contact with some 60 or 70,000 voters. And when you think that this state was won by a margin of only 50,000 voters, that gives you some understanding of how powerful this data is.
0: Here's another brilliant aspect of the marketing campaign. They were able to use the behavioral models to help them fundraise, generating a positive ROI for the Trump campaign
2: every campaign needs cash to drive its media engagement and for the first month we were really trying to raise as much small dollar donation, that is $15, 20 $15-$20 donations or less from Trump supporters, so we need to identify these people and then to engage them in the most compelling way
0: So if you're wondering like I was how effective actually was it? I'll let Alex tell you
2: we raised nearly $27 million just in the first month of the campaign and registered some million email addresses from supporters.
0: $27 million raised in the first month of the campaign. I'd say that was one hell of a return on the $15 million spent on CA. But let's go beyond fundraising. Let's look at the campaign by the numbers.
2: Event promotion, we promoted nearly 100 rallies. Uh, And drove at least 35,000 people to download the Trump app. In terms of persuasion, we delivered a staggering 1.4 billion impressions in just four months across 4,000 separate ad campaigns. This increased or had a net increase of about 3% on favorability towards Trump. And finally, in terms of absentee ballot and get out the vote, we delivered about 80 million impressions, increasing uh, absentee balance missions by about 2%.
0: Google saw the impact CA was having on the Trump brand and conducted an independent study to learn from what was going on. There were 150,000 people that received highly targeted video content against a control group that received generic content. The result? An 18% uplift in search volume an 11% increase in favorability, an 8% increase in voter intent for Trump.
2: Finally, we use these data to optimize very targeted geographically-based media buys going after very small pockets of Trump supporters. This attracted a huge amount of attention because it was in contrast to to Hillary's approach, which was much more broad brush and obviously less economical.
0: The Trump campaign was severely outnumbered in terms of staff and underfunded. Despite all this, they caught up in record time. Now I can't dismiss the outside factors that helped close the gap. Russian hacking of DNC files and Russian troll farms obviously assisted the Trump campaign by way of brand warfare on Hillary's brand. And while digital marketing can't save a failing brand or hands down win an election, when victory comes down to a thin margin, This is what it took to push the Trump campaign over the finish line. I want to walk through the fundamental steps of digital marketing that made this such a monumental success, despite the fact that the data collection was done wrongfully so. CA created target personas so that they could segment the population, prioritizing who to reach, and then creating targeted content to those personas. And Google proved the effectiveness of this versus generic or blanketed messaging which the Hillary campaign was using. This not only made their message more effective, but also made their ad spend far more efficient. Lastly, they continue to test, report, and optimize messaging and location, using their limited resources where they would be most effective. Now, I love doing this for brands because sending highly targeted messages to an audience deciding between two types of paper towels isn't manipulating the worldview of a democratic society. But when you're sending different messages to different voters, it makes it increasingly difficult to have a unified political discourse.
3: You are whispering into the ear of each and every voter, and you may be whispering one thing to this voter and another thing to another voter. We risk fragmenting society um, in a way where we don't have any more shared experiences and we don't have any more shared understanding. And then they see that and they click it and they go down the rabbit hole. Um, until they start to think that, you know, something, until they start to think something differently.
1: Yeah.
0: I want to thank everyone for listening. And if you haven't already, please subscribe so you can listen to our upcoming episodes. If you enjoy the show and like to message me, I'll include a link to my Twitter page and LinkedIn profile in the show notes.